Hey Church, Pastor Eric here, and I'm just so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I just pray that this message will stir up your faith, build you up, and just move you closer to the Father's heart. If you want to learn more about us as a church or would like to get further connected, you can visit us at our website at oasischurchchicago.com, download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, and also join us on YouTube for our live streams on Sundays and Wednesdays. We hope you find this message to be encouraging and life-giving. Now here's today's message from Pastor JP. So grateful for our team and just that moment that we had together and just the ability for you guys to hopefully, I pray, be ministered to that. The creative team brought that idea to me, my wife and, and our creative team. And I, I'm a creative guy. Um, and I, and I, I got the idea, I heard the idea as only our brother Joseph can, can share with me. And I remember leaving going, what in the mess are they about to do? Uh, but as I watched that and I was a part of that, um, I was just so reminded in my heart um, that as we've been in this series called Final Moments, if you've been joining with, your, joining with us here at Oasis, we've been looking at the final week and hours of Jesus, and um, we have the picture today. We have the final picture today of the conquered tomb, but um, it was a reminder that, that it, was just, it was amazing what Jesus did as he walked out those final few moments to get to this moment today where he gets up and he walks out of the grave and he holds the keys of death so that anybody that would call upon his name, I pray this message never gets old. If you've been in the church 35 years or, or, or this is your first time ever, that, that he held the keys and said, anybody that would call upon me would receive me as the Lord and Savior King. You will be saved and set free and have a brand new start, a brand new beginning. You are no longer bound. You are no longer forsaken. You are no longer lost. You are a son and a daughter of the king. And so I just believe right now in these few short moments that we have on this Resurrection Sunday, there's, there's a, a, almost a somber sense in this room, and that's okay. We're going we're gonna to celebrate this morning. Is that all right, church? We're going to celebrate. But as I was discovering, and you know, as a, this is year five, I think, as a church. I'm looking to these people over here as if they're going to give me a nod of affirmation. Um, yeah, my wife and I started, I have no idea what year we're in. Praise the Lord. That's what happens when you're in ministry. Praise God. Funnier in my head right now than anybody's laughing out there. Um, you know, you do Easter services and you, you try to get a new message, a new message, a new message. And, I, and, I, and when, I, when I started this thing, I don't, I don't want to preach. I don't like doing this. If any of you know me, this is not like, I don't get up here, like get a high from this. I'm like throwing up in the bathroom sometimes before I come out here. Um, true story. <laughs> um, but as I was sitting this week and I was like, Lord, like, I, like I said to him when I started, I said, I don't ever want to be up here if you don't give me something new and something fresh to teach to the people. Like, I don't want to use old stuff. I don't want to rehash stuff. I want, I want the presence of God to minister because that's what the presence of God should do, that the word is living and it's active and it's breathing. And you can read stories and the same story can minister to you in, in, in whatever way you need it to, in whatever way the Holy Spirit wants to. And so as I was preparing for this on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, I said, I said, Lord, what, what may you have me speak to the people? And he said, he said, let's get to Luke 24. And, and, and this is how I talk with Jesus. And so we, we went to Luke 24, and I'm going to kick us into this, this moment today with Luke chapter 24. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them. And, and, and I believe the Lord really wants to minister to us today. But I'm going to say this at the forefront. I think that this message today might be a little different from one that you've heard before on Easter Sunday. I've grown up in this. We, we have a party usually. We, I've been in churches where they got confetti blowers. 
On Easter Sunday, anybody ever come from a church like, like thank you on it? Like, I'm like getting hit in the eyes with confetti. I'm like, what is happening? Like, he's risen, but my eye's gone in Jesus' name. Like, like it's, it, <laughs> that's funnier in my head. <laughs> this is going to feel a little different, but I promise you where we're going at the end of this, we're, we're going to rejoice and we're going to praise God because he's got a word and he's got a, 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 a moment right now to transform some hearts in this place. I believe some of you have walked in here because you've been invited. It's Easter. You show up. You do the thing. You get all nice and pretty. You, 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 you come and this is the, the time of year where you show up to church. But I believe it's much more than that for some of you in this room. There, you, you might be dead this morning, spiritually speaking. You're about to come to life. And so, so I want to just read Luke chapter 24. And I'm going to start in verse 1 through 12. And I put a title to this message, Final Moments, Don't Leave Too Early. Don't Leave Too Early. Luke chapter 24, verses 1. It's going to be up on the big Bible if you do not have your Bibles. And it says this. We, we got to get this set up right for where we're going. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. I don't know about you, if that happened to me, I'd be having a panic attack. Suddenly, two men, two angels, scripture says, showed up next to them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Are there some places in our lives that we're looking for God in some dead places? Some things that God has called us to let go of. That's just a word for somebody today. You're still looking for God in some dead relationships. In a job that the Lord told you to leave. Because he wants to actually stretch your capacity to trust him. And so the, can I preach this morning to some people that came to not be entertained, but actually be encountered. Like, like uh, maybe leave the job that you have in the security because he actually wants to stretch your capacity and your faith and actually show you how faithful he is to you. Where are you looking for God today? Because some of us came in here and we're looking for God in some dead places. That's my I'm a sermon at all today, but he is not here. He's risen. Come on, he is risen. Why do you look for uh, the living among the dead. He's not here. He's risen. Remember? Everyone say remember. Remember how he told you this while he was with you in Galilee. Remember, we need to remember the words of God. We need to remember the promises of Jesus. We need to remember what he has said to us because if we stop remembering, we will look for him in places that are dead. Remember what he said to you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. On the third day be raised again. This is the third day. Then they remembered his words. You have these, these incredible women show up to the tomb. They see this, they have this encounter with the angels, and the angels tell them, remember, and they remembered. And so then they came back to, from the tomb. They told all these things to the 11, the 11 disciples, Jesus is Homies, the ones that had been with them and done everything with them, and to all the others, other translations say other disciples. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. 
but they did not believe the women. Can I say something, ladies in the house? Pray because the Holy Spirit wants to speak through you. Okay, I, I, I'm so grateful for my wife that she has a voice of discernment. Husbands, future husbands, young men, let me say this to you. Who you marry matters. Your spouse matters. Your, the wife that you choose matters because, because I'm thankful that my wife speaks truth to me. This is a good word. This is for anybody. Someone needs to hear this. Like, like women, don't feel like you got to take a step in the back. Come on, step up and start speaking life into your home. Start speaking life into your marriage. Start speaking life into your kids. Start speaking the truth of Jesus Christ into every person around you. I'm going to preach this morning, I feel like. Is this okay? They didn't listen to him. Isn't it funny that the encounter happens to, to, to a group of women in that time? They were, they were not counted. They were not respected. It, it says to him, they said they didn't listen to him because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. Another gospel translation says that Jesus folded the, the, the linens nice and neat and put them on. I say, Jesus is like me. We got OCD together. Praise the Lord. I would have folded up my grave clothes too just to make sure that they, if you know me, you know this is true. I would have been like, I'm out here, but let me make sure. Let me fold these up. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. This first moment in Luke, we have the day of resurrection, the, the, the moment that Jesus came out of the tomb, it, it shows us something that we got to catch, that the resurrected king finished what he started. He finished what he said he would do. I have all the, the confidence and assurance that the tomb is empty. Yes, I have the word of God. Yes, I have the ability to read it and get the accounts of the gospel. But do you know how I know that the tomb is empty? Because I'm living. You're breathing. You're living. You've been changed. You've been transformed. See, the tomb matters. That when Jesus came up out of the grave, he finished what he said he would do. People are like, prove to me that Jesus is real. I say, look at me. Look at where I've come from. Look at what I have done. And many of you might be new in this place. I have a past like we all do. But I know for certain that when that grave opened up and that tomb opened up, I had the ability then to call upon the name of Jesus as a 22-year-old kid that was lost and broken and hurting. And I could say yes to him because that tomb is open. Because Jesus finished what he started. See, from the beginning of the garden, when sin entered through, through, through Adam and Eve and, and through the deceit of, of, of the evil one, like, like, like there was a promise right there in Genesis 3, you all know your Bibles, that, that there would come one that would come and would trample on the head of those on the snake and would, would bring a new, new life and, a, and would have the seed to come. It would come out of the, the, the seed of it and it would bring life to anybody that would call. It was from the beginning that God promised this. It was from the, uh, as you continue in the Old Testament, through the prophets and through the writings, that there would one that would come. The Messiah would come. The Savior would come. The King would come, and he would give up his life. It was talked about for, for hundreds of hundreds of years. And in this moment, in this Sunday morning, every word that was spoken Every prophetic thing that was said, everything came to fulfillment when that tomb door opened up. 
I love Jesus because I serve a king that keeps his word. How many of you have been let down by some words that have been said? I know my hands up. Someone has said something. I'll be there with you. I'll stay with you. Some of you, your spouse has said that to you and have left you. Like, like, like we have, I'll, I'll stick through this thing with you, good and bad. Like, I'll stay in this thing with you. How many of you know men fail us? Humans fail us. Why I love Jesus is because he kept his word. He kept his word. That, that in that moment, in him, in those three days of waiting, he went down to hell and he grabbed the keys from Satan. Come on, how many of you love that picture in Revelations 1.18? He walked in, he said, hey, yo, devil, come here. I wish there was like an account of him like slapping that, that like, no, no, Jesus is a, <laughs> this is, I will. come here. In those three days, he, he grabbed those keys. He said, you might think that you're going to be able to grab some people. You might think that you're going to be able to snatch some people. You might be able to think that you're going to take people through the fire. But anybody that would call upon my name right now because of this moment of what I'm doing will be saved, will be set free, will be protected, will be guarded, will be covered, will be filled with grace, will be filled with mercy. And Jesus said, give me those keys back. This is the best news ever. This is why Resurrection Sunday should be the biggest thing ever. We should be losing our minds. Not concerned about the Easter photo that I got to go take after this with my son and my nice teal, blue, whatever green shirt this is. I said, Rach, what should I wear? She said, don't wear black. I said, it's much more than that, Church. It's much more than coming in Christmas. Maybe you're the Christer Christmas and Easter. You come in and you, you, it's much more than that today. The tomb's empty. He walked up out of that grave. He left the clothes, the grave clothes. He, he left it. And when he walked out, he walked out with you. See, he kept his word. And so this is like, to me, I'm like, Lord, that's a great message. I'll just stop there and we'll, we'll have a great Sunday. We'll be blessed. But I felt the Spirit say to me, I was away. We are, he, said, he said, continue reading the story. I was like, why? It's good. Resurrection Sunday. Get hyped. Get, get, let's go. Let's party. He said, keep reading the story. And so I, I continued in this story that, that Jesus conquered the principalities of darkness darkness and the rulers. He opened up a new and eternal covenant. He, he, he made a way for us when there wasn't a way. There's no more sacrificing animals. There's no more of, of, of trying to do this thing on our own merit. It's through Jesus that we get to do this because that grave's open. Some of you have been trying to get to Jesus on your own. You're not going to do it. You need to just let go and trust in the name that's above every name. And so the story continues and Luke, and you get a scene there of the, the road to Emmaus. And as I've read this, I've never preached on this passage before. I've never really dwelled on this passage. I mean, I've read it, and don't, you guys are like, you read your Bible, Pastor? I have read this story. But as I was continuing to read it, it, it shook me because in this moment of this beauty of Jesus keeping his word and the beauty of Resurrection Sunday, the, the moment where there should be the biggest party, the biggest celebration, the biggest victory resounding sound that, that travels all throughout Jerusalem, Jesus finds himself on a walk, going completely in the opposite direction from where everybody is at. And I read that and I said, 
Jesus, why are you, like, you just overcame death. You, you're tired. You should, you should go rest. I don't know about you. If I fought the devil for three days under that, I'm sleeping. The last thing I'm doing is taking a walk, seven-mile walk. But Jesus does what we can't. And he walks and he encounters, it says, two disciples on the road. Two disciples on the road that, that have left Jerusalem. They've, they've walked out of the place that they should have said. They've, they've left the scene too early. And so instead of Jesus getting the party crew together, getting, getting the news crews together, getting the social media accounts all prepped, getting the creative stuff all done and making this grand announcement, instead of Jesus showing up to, to Pilate's house once again and saying, you thought you could kill me? You thought you could have me? He could, he, he could have done all of that. But instead, he goes on a walk and pursues two disciples. I said, what in the world? And, and the story continues. In verse 13, as these two disciples leave Cleo for the sake of keeping his name short and his companion, they're, they're, they're leaving. They're leaving. They're leaving the scene too early. And it says in Luke 24, verse 13, now that same day, two, mile, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Hmm. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. So get this picture, two men walking on a road. Uh, I was reading commentaries and this picture of what this road would have looked like. It, it was tiny, it was dirt. It was just, just a, not a place that you would find yourself going on a leisurely walk. They were heading home. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. <laughs> Have you ever been on a walk with somebody and someone comes up behind you? You're like, I'll throw hands right here. Like, what is... <laughs> and Spurgeon says this, when two saints are talking together, because notice it says two disciples. Jesus is very likely to come and make the third one in the company. Talk of him, and you soon, and you will soon talk with him. Can I say something, church? I don't know. I got to stop asking that question. I'm, what are you talking about? What are you talking about in your home? What are you talking about on your dates? All you dating people out there, we're praying for you for God. Like, what are you talking about? Are you locked in on what's happening in the latest thing in the, the world or in the gossip trail? Or are you talking about, what, what, are you ta what are we talking about? See, if we're people that are called to follow him and be about his business and do his stuff, then I think we should be people that start talking about him. Like, I found myself in this moment sitting there on this resurrection Sunday prepping this sermon going, man, I, 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 think, I think my wife and I, I think our home, we need to start talking about Jesus some more. We need, to start, we need to start declaring what Jesus is about. They, they begin to talk about all that happened, all that had been done, everything, and Jesus shows up. When Jesus begins to be talked about, Jesus shows up. It's verse 16, though. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Now, this is funny to me. What are you talking about as they're walking along? Do you understand the, the, the humor in this? Jesus knows all things. He knows every thought. He knows everything. That's, he knows it all. And he goes, hey, what are you guys talking about? Jesus is amazing. I think Jesus is trying to reframe their thinking by asking that question. 
What are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? They stood still and their faces downcast. Now we got to catch this Resurrection Sunday, the power and the beauty, the grace, everything. It's a party. And there are two dudes leaving. There are two people leaving, disciples leaving. Disappointed, it says, with their faces downcast. That, that doesn't even give it magnitude. They were probably weeping and mourning and sorrowful. On the day when we should be rejoicing, they're, they're leaving the place too soon, filled with disappointment. And I just felt like the Spirit of the Lord wanted me to say today that the resurrected King not only wants you to rejoice and be excited, but He also wants to remind you that He will meet you in your disappointments. That the power of the empty tomb is, is just not just the fact that we get to have life, but we get to have life to the fullest. And I, and I think that in this moment, on this Easter Sunday, where we didn't get to have Easter last year, whatever that means, I had Easter, it was amazing, that, that we've lost a lot of stuff. As Brother Nick prayed, like we've, we've seen tragedy, we've seen heartache, and it's real. We've seen pain, we've seen sickness, we've seen it all. But on this resurrected Sunday, some of you need to know this, that he's concerned about redeeming your life, but he's also fully concerned about meeting you in your disappointment. Why does Jesus show up to two dudes that are just, I know for one thing, if I'm conquering death, I'm not going with the sad boys over there. Like, I'm going, to the, I'm going to the people that are going to start rejoicing. And, like, I thank God I'm not, like, right? Like, but, but let's be honest, right? You just make this major defeat. Like, when I played sports and we won a major defeat, like, I'm not going with people that were sad. I wasn't saved. I wasn't sanctified. I was going where the party was. I was finding where the celebration was. We just won a victory. Like, this is time to party. And Jesus shows up to two disciples walking away in disappointment. On Resurrection Sunday? Are you serious? They left the scene too early. They left the moment too early. And Jesus comes to them. He reveals more of the Father's heart to them. He begins to minister to them. Notice that Jesus doesn't knock them upside the head. and Why'd you leave too soon? <laughs> he just begins to minister. Some of you are sitting in disappointment today. Some of you on this Sunday where we're telling you to clap your hands and rejoice, some of you are filled with disappointment. Someone's left you. You feel abandoned. You've watched this last year take you through the ringer. You feel like, man, I know he's risen from the grave, but like it doesn't feel like it right now. And man, I know that he's Jesus and he's awesome and he's amazing, but it doesn't feel like it right now. Come on, am I, am I talking to anybody today? Like I sat there this week and I said, man, man, Jesus, I have some disappointments that I'm living in today. I had a word spoken over my life for this season. It hasn't come true yet. And I was like, where's it at? And I remember the Holy Spirit say, hold steady, hold steady. But if we're being honest, like there's some disappointments in our life. There's some offense in our life. Hello? It's not just that you've been let down. It might be that the fact that like your disappointment has caused you to become offended, caused you to become hurt, caused you to be filled with a dis, dis, disillusioned picture of who Jesus is. And so instead of staying in the moment, instead of staying on the journey, instead of staying there where, where we might find ourselves walking away going, that whole Jesus thing, yeah, it was really good for me when everything was really good and, and everything was happening and COVID wasn't a thing and, and all this stuff. No, no, yeah. And we find ourselves leaving and Filled with disappointments. 
And on this Resurrection Sunday, I just simply want to tell you because I feel like it's needed. Like he wants to meet you in your disappointments. It says that he showed up right next to him. Right next to him. He wasn't a far way. It says he came and just started walking right next to him. Oh, I get so excited. Some of you need to just praise God with me. Like, like in my disappointments, I can be reminded because of the empty tomb that Jesus is standing right next to me. He's walking with me. He's remaking my mind. He's reorienting my mind. What are you talking about, JP? Why are you talking about the, what are you, what are you discussing? Jesus gives us a clear picture. And man, we don't have to be people that settle for our disappointments. He's not afraid of them. He wants to minister to them. But man, some of you in this room, you, you, you're, you're like, I keep showing up to this thing. I keep coming to this thing. I, I just want a word. I want the feels. I want the tingles. What does that mean? I, just, I want to feel God. Well, I think today for some, because of the resurrected tomb, he just wants you to lay your disappointments down with him. Remember what he did? He kept his word. He kept his word. Kept his word. And he shows up to two people that feel like he's left them. And he gives us a picture as we can. Is this okay, church? We doing, are we doing all right? I know we had a little bit of technical difficulties at the beginning. We're doing all right on time. You guys need to rearrange your brunch schedule. Is that a, can I just keep? I'm just kidding. Verse 18, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there these days? <laughs> Once again, are you not the one that knows what's been happening? It's the one that it's all happened to. How many of us have done that to Jesus? Can we be on? Like, this is just, this is, this is good. Do you know what's happened, Jesus? Do you know what season I've been in? If I hear one more message about how faithful you are, I'm going to lose my mind. Do you not know what's happened? What things, he's asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. They begin to tell Jesus who Jesus is. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped. But we had hoped. He was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. We had hoped. See, if you allow disappointments to settle in your spirit too long, you will change from being a person that I know who Jesus is and my hope is securing him to being people that say, I hoped Jesus would have done this. Can we be honest? I've been there. I hoped he was going to do this. I hoped that this thing looked different. I, I hoped that we would have gotten that. I hoped that this wouldn't have happened. They, they say we hoped that he was going to redeem Israel. As we've been discovering the Roman Empire was in control. They were ruling and reigning over the people of Israel. They were in full control of them. And the people of Israel thought that their Messiah was going to come and redeem them and release them. It was going to conquer the Roman Empire and disarm the Roman Empire and do all those things. And so they had put their hope in the wrong things. 
It wasn't that they didn't have hope. It's just that their hope needed to get realigned. Some of you in this room today, because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, we need to have our hope realigned. Some of you, your Facebook posts, you need to go delete them. Straight up. Can I, can I say that? I'm going to say that. Some of you maybe need to go apologize to some people for some stuff you said because you were living in a place that you weren't hoping in what Jesus had said he would do and what he promised he would do and who he is. That's a good word, Pastor. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Resurrection Sunday. We love Jesus. We're, I'm sorry. I'm just... Jesus shows up to these two and they express their disappointment by diminishing their hope. Your disappointments, if you don't weigh them down, they will begin to affect what you hope in. They'll change your whole trajectory of thinking. Notice that it says that they were disciples, that they were with them. The scripture actually continues to say that, that, that there in verse 22 through, through 27, I won't read it just for the sake of time, but it says that as they say these things, they then go in to start talking about Jesus and about how the women had shown up and how Peter had showed up and how, how they had shared with these disciples that Jesus was alive. See, you can be in the moment. You can be in the scene. You can be around other people and their testimonies. You can hear all about the good things that God's doing. You can hear all the messages. You can listen to every podcast you can listen to today. Now more than ever, we have every sermon available to us. And you could still be living in a place of, I had hoped. Powerful. Because until you have a heart's Change, a heart changed with the Father. They'll continue in that cycle. Isn't it crazy that they hear the word that Jesus is alive and they leave? And they walk away. And Jesus shows up only the way Jesus can. And he reveals to them throughout this story, as we're going to continue, he reveals a kingdom hope to them. See, if we have this idea that kingdom hope is just getting what we want, we're going to miss it. If we have a hope, uh, an understanding that hope is just making sure that bad things don't happen to us, we have a misaligned hope. If we have a hope that we will never lose our job or maybe never lose our bank account or never lose anything in our life, we have a misaligned hope. This idea in this church culture, and, this, and, I, and I'm only 30, how old am I? 34. I haven't been in this that long, but I've watched. We've preached a lot that he'll bless you. He'll take care of you. He'll watch over you. You will never have trust. That's not the word of God. Now, let me tell you something. I know that he cares for the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. And how much more does he care for each and every one of us? But this idea of hope has been misaligned in the church. And so we watched, can I just prophetically speak? We've watched over this last year how much our hope has diminished. And we've lost our power. And we've left too early. We started walking away way too early going, man, where's he at? You think Jesus was shocked at what happened in 2020? You think Jesus didn't know that a virus would come into this place and affect us? You think Jesus doesn't have a clue what's going on? And it's a call for us today on this resurrected Sunday to go, oh, wait, you conquered everything in that grave. I don't need anything else. I don't need another thing. I say this often, and it scares me to say it publicly because like things could start being stripped from me. Hello, you ever, be careful, but it's what I trust. Like, I don't need anything else. I don't need a platform. I don't need, I don't need fame. I don't need pop. I don't need anything. I just need my hope to be secure in Jesus. And he shows up to two disciples like me, worship team, come on up, two, like me, like I find myself at many times. 
leaving too early. He says, hey, I'm here now. I, I was 22 years old and I was a mess. You guys know this, many of you know this, but for those that don't, apologize for the personal story. Hooked on pornography and drinking and women. I mean, I was, I was a mess. Don't, don't, don't judge. Because I'll just, yeah, don't. I had put my hope in popularity and sports, and, which is funny because that, that right before I got saved two weeks, I blew out my ankle. The Lord's going to get your attention one way or another, church. Keep, keep running. I, I pray the mercy of oh, Keep running. I actually was running. At least I was running and my ankle went. My sister called and said, would you come to church service with me? I said, absolutely not. She said, I'll buy you dinner. I said, I'll be right there. True story. I said, I'll be right there. She said, we're going to stay. We're going to stay for the whole time. I said, can we leave once they start doing the altar call? Can we leave when the last song so we can beat the crowd? Can we get out early? See, if you leave this thing too early sometimes, some of you are more eager right now to get to lunch. I understand it's Easter. That ham and turkey will wait, whatever you got going on. And so we sat in the room. We got there. We, I remember we sat in the back, last pew. I was sitting on the aisle so I could get out as fast as I could. And Jesus showed up to me. Just like, in essence, kind of like what he did here. He said, where's your hope? Why have you been putting hope in so many things? See, I grew up in this thing. I watched my parents go through a lot of stuff in the church and their pastors and ministers bless them. But I watched like this and it began to just, disappointments began to fester in my heart. Disappointment after disappointment. It became, it made me a hardened. It made me someone that rejected and pushed away, started walking away from God. He said, where's your hope? And only as Jesus can in his kindness and his mercy, he began to minister, he began to speak to me, he began to show me. And what he showed me is what I think he showed these two disciples as they were leaving too early. The, the story continues in verse 28 as, as they approached the village to which they were going. So seven miles they had been walking, seven miles they had been leaving. That's a far walk away. That's a lot of time on the road. You with me? We, they didn't have cars. The donkeys weren't there and weren't available. Like Uber donkey was not available. Like it was not a thing. They were walking seven miles. I don't know how long seven miles. I know I can run seven miles, maybe in a good day, like an hour and 45 minutes, maybe. Seven miles, they're walking. Jesus is with them. It says that their eyes were, were, were unable to see him. What is keeping you from seeing Jesus? And it says that they walked all the way. And as they approached the village, Jesus, in verse 28, continued on as if he were going farther. But, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So, so, so he went in to stay with them. I remember as I was getting ministered as a, as a lost, I, I just, and just was like, man, Lord, don't leave. Just continue to and then Jesus enters into this house, and when he was at the table with them, Jesus gets invited to a, to a house. He gets invited into a moment. And what does Jesus do? 
What he does all the time, he takes over. See, when you invite Jesus in, he's gonna take control. So you gotta make a decision, church. You're gonna allow for, this is just a message for another. He's gonna take over. He's gonna become in charge. He, He begins to then grab the bread. Not the ones that invited him. He grabs it. Oh, this is so good. He took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. He breaks the bread. And he began to give it to him. And then, then in that moment, their eyes were opened up. I I was sitting back there and I don't know what was said to me in that message in that time. I actually don't know what was preached about. Bless the preacher. I have no idea. The presence of God was just ministering to me. And the resurrected king began to show me what it was actually, what was actually available to me to walk in freedom. And all I could think of, and I didn't get to this at the nine o'clock because I just, all I could think about, all I could get a picture of is what I think that they saw. I heard all the messages. I heard what, like they did. The pro, Jesus does a Bible study with them on the walk. He, he speaks the words to them. He tells them everything. Like all that stuff happened. I, I've, heard, I've heard every message under the sun, church. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. And it wasn't until that moment that I came to the end of myself and I closed my eyes and I got a picture of Jesus breaking the bread, giving it to me. And I saw, like I think they saw for the first time, and that seven-mile walk, holes in his wrists. It says that they broke it and he gave. When you give someone, you don't give it like this. I think in that moment, church, they saw the, the marks where the nails held him. Their eyes were open. I remember receiving that, saying thank you. Because of the resurrected king, because of what he did on Friday, when he said it was finished, and what he did on Sunday, when he walked out of the grave with the keys of death, with the keys of evil, I get to have freedom. The moment he broke it, it was revealed to them. That, hey, this is who I am. This is who I've always said I was going to be. I am here now. I have conquered this thing. I have destroyed evil. I have destroyed death. I have done it all for you. Jesus reveals kingdom freedom. You know what it is? Having the right picture of who he is having complete understanding of who he is, having a complete revelation that he went to the cross, that he was held up by nails, not because the nails held him up, because you held him up. The love that he had for you and each and every one of us held him up there. The nails in his feet, the crown on his thorns, the piercing on his sides, the blood that's poured out for anybody that would call upon his name. Freedom. And disarming the principalities of darkness in that grave. Walking out of that grave going, hey, anybody that will call upon my name won't just get saved, but will get to be able to be free. You're battling with an addiction. You're battling with with things in your life that are destroying you. Lay it down at his feet. Get a picture of what he's done for you. Get a picture of those scars. 
Get a picture of his side. Get a picture of him walking out and just, just in front of all of evil saying, nah, man, my kids don't have to live in bondage. My kids don't have to live in death. My kids get to walk. My kids get to live. My kids get to be free. My kids get to, because this is what the resurrected king did for us. My kids get to be filled with joy. My kids get to be filled with peace. My kids get to be filled with life. I don't know about you, but I'm at the point now where where, where whether anybody comes with me, I just want to be overjoyed in the presence of God because of what he did for me in that cross and in that empty tomb that I get to have life. I get to have the fullness of heaven. I get to be called a son of the king. I get all of the access to the father. I don't have to go through some man. I don't have to go through some way. I get access directly to the throne room of grace because the resurrected power of Jesus Christ has conquered the grave has given me life, has given me hope, and there's never, ever going to run. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm telling them what to do. I don't know. Can you stand to your feet? This is what Jesus did. And if this has become boring, I think today's a good day to repent. If this has become stale, Maybe it's time. I'm talking to the believers in the room. If you got some disappointments, he wants to show up. He wants to show up. And he wants to reveal that through his death, disappointment dies. He wants to put in you a hope that will never run out. A hope that won't be based off of what's happening. A hope that will be steadfast and secure. This is what Jesus did in that moment for us. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, please, just for a moment. No one looking around, please. Some of you just need to just begin to pray and thank him for what he did. But some of you in this room this morning, you need this resurrection power to come alive in your heart. You need the resurrection power to take over. You've been disappointed for far too long. You've been hopeless for far too long. The tomb is empty. The king has risen. He has conquered it all. And there is hope available for you today. Scripture says that anybody that would call upon the name of Jesus, they believe in the heart, confess with the mouth, they will be saved. Salvation is here. Do not wait for tomorrow. We don't have tomorrow promised to us. But not only do we have a hope for life today, but we have a hope for what is to come. That when we pass from this life, we go into another life that is eternal. And it's the glory of heaven all around us. It's us engaging with the presence of God forever, being filled with the life. And the one that entered into our suffering on behalf of us did it so that you could have life. If you're in the room this morning and you want that life, you want that access, you want to say yes to Jesus' love, right now on the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up. And we as a church, we're going to pray together a prayer of faith. But this is a bold step. Don't halfway raise it up. Raise it up both hands. Because this is a sign of confession. Just, just as a sign to the world, as a sign to evil, that I am no longer going to be bound by this stuff. One, he loves you. Two, he died for your sins and wants to forgive you for them. Three, he wants to spend eternity with you. Slip your hand up right now high. Slip it up high. Slip it up high. I see it. I see it here in the front. I see it here. I see it here. I see it here. Yeah, anybody else? Slip it up. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. See it? Yeah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 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 Come on, church. Can we pray this together? Those that lifted your hands up, keep them up and just pray this prayer together right now. As a family, we're going to pray this. Jesus. 
Thank you for your cross, for the empty tomb, and thank you that you are seated in heaven next to our Father. Jesus, today I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. Thank you for washing me clean, forgiving me of my sins, giving a brand new heart. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy, for your grace, and for your blood. Jesus, my life is in your hands now. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you all the days of my life. Today, I receive your Holy Spirit. And I say, thank you, Jesus. Would you be the Lord and Savior and King over my life? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, come on, can we give Jesus some praise? Come on, can we worship him just for a second? Come on, can we sing this, church? Come on, sing all hail. Come on, come on.